Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning. A rainy Tuesday morning here in Hamilton, Ohio. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Casey, Lindsay, good morning. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Lindsay, how was your first day? It was really good. I enjoyed it. You did? Yeah. Everybody nice around here? Yes. That won't last. <laughs> that won't last. I think we're very hospitable, but maybe... Elliot's we'll, not, we'll, but we'll, yeah, we are. There's another word that starts with the letters H-O that would be more fitting. Hostile. <laughs> Depending on the day and the situation. Good morning, men. Reed, welcome back. Feeling better? I do feel better. Listen, I uh, over the weekend from about Friday 5 p.m. until the Bengals game, I did not get off my couch because I was so sick. And then I came and did the Bengals yep. show, and I got off the show, and my head feel like it had imploded. I made a discovery. I have, for the longest time, have said I've told people I don't think headaches exist. People tell me they have a headache. Mm, they exist. No sympathies for people that tell me they have headaches. And then I got one and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is absolutely miserable. It's brutal. So I got my first ever headache this weekend. So. The thing that is guaranteed to knock out a headache, bare aspirin. Bear you take aspirin. three of those and guaranteed gone. All right. I and that. I'm not here for some shameless plug. They're not a sponsor of the program. They've been asking about it for about a year and a half now. Yeah. We can't finalize the details yet mm -hmm. with our friends from over in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're going to straighten out one of these days, but that's a way to go. We come your way, as you probably know, Monday through Friday, 10 hey. to 12. Hey. Lindsay, you need to get in on this now. I mean, come on, get with the program. You can join us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live on X. Our guy. That's your guy. My guy. And that's at Seabox Sports, or if you choose to join us in podcast form, please just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you get your podcast and you're dialed in. Look, from start to finish, they were without a doubt the best team in college football. Now, they may have done some things that are against the rules. Time will be the judge of that. But when it came time to preparing for any and all opponents this season, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan did it better than anyone else. Last night in the college football playoff national title game, it was men against young men. Right from the get-go, Michigan ran it down Washington's throat. And while the Huskies did have numerous chances to tie the game, even take the lead, it just wasn't quarterback Michael Penick's night. It's too bad. Seems like a great kid, hell of a player. Great year. As great as he was in the national semifinal against Texas, it was really a different animal altogether he faced in Michigan's defense last night. But offense, the story for Michigan, the run game, the story. 300-plus yards on the ground en route to its first national title since the late 1990s. Quarterback J.J. McCarthy, he has a decision to make. Does he stay for his senior year or leave with a record of 27-1, and two Big Ten titles, and now a national championship? And then there's Harbaugh. Does he stay through the NCAA investigation of his program, regardless of outcome? Or does he leap back into the National Football League? 
he can really name his spot. He's that good as a head coach on both levels. He's taken a team to the Super Bowl, got beat in that one against his brother. That was a cool moment last night when they showed his brother John surprising him. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool. And um, Jim Harbaugh, everybody is going to be after him. Everybody and anybody. Meanwhile, Harbaugh's arch rival, Ohio State, got huge news last night. As one of college football's top running backs, because some consider him to be college football's very best running back, former Ole Miss star Quinshawn Judkins announced that he was transferring to play for the Buckeyes next season. He has rushed for 3,000-plus yards and 31 touchdowns the last two years, and this year was a first-team All-SEC performer. Ohio State star running back Travion Henderson. He's still there. He's not yet announced what he's going to do. Turn pro, come back. If he returns, Ohio State will have the best running backs room in the country, bar none, next year. The question is, can the Buckeyes block for either one of them? On the pro front, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan will get an interview to be the next head coach in Carolina. Now, for people who root for the Panthers, and when Jerry Richardson on that team, I used to do a lot of their games. Starting the very first year they played, they played their home games down in Clemson while they were building the stadium in Charlotte. Now, in his later years, Richardson got a little weird. Uh, you know, said some things, did some things people didn't like. But he ran a top-flight operation. I don't know David Tepper, who owns the team now, but did you see where they released a picture Yesterday in their release about bringing in Brian Callahan to interview for the job. And it was a picture of Dan Pitcher. Yeah. It's actually not the first time that's happened. NFLPA also made the same mistake. I don't know what it is, but people think that uh, Dan Pitcher is Brian Callahan for some reason. No? One and the same. One and the same, I guess. Well, the Panthers announced yesterday they're going to bring in nearly 10 people. And when all said and done, maybe more than that for this coveted position. And we certainly wish Callahan well. Good guy. Love his dad. Wish the Bengals had him on their staff, Bill Callahan. That's a big league operator. No doubt. Joe Burrow, meanwhile, met with the media for the first time yesterday since injuring his wrist back in November. Now, he put no timetable on his return. He did say he hopes, hope, your guy Obama, all about hope and change. Your guy, Tom. He That's hopes to be ready for OTAs later this spring. He added, among other things, that he expected and hopes that T. Higgins will be back next season and that the offense must become better and more explosive in the run game. If you really listen to that, and we'll get into this more, I don't know how many of you actually listened to that press conference. Probably not a lot. And I don't blame you. Because really, as great a player as Burrow is, and as great a human being as he seems to be, his press conferences are pretty vanilla. I mean, he yeah. really doesn't say much. A lot no, of the time. He, he really doesn't. What's right. that? A lot. No, a lot of the time. It's yeah, like I mean, he's pretty vanilla, and, and, and he doesn't go into big, long-winded answers, and there doesn't seem to be, not that he's not capable of it, I'm not saying that at all, but there just doesn't seem to be, you know, a whole lot of meat there when he does a press conference. Is that fair? He's mastered the coach speak, in my opinion. Now, he did well, leave. his dad a was a coach. That's where he learned it. Yeah. I do think he left a few nuggets for us, though. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. But the, the, the one area that um, 
that I was hoping to hear a little bit more. And it doesn't matter what I think. I mean, who cares what I think about it? I mean, it's Burroughs, Joe Burrow. But when th- there were some very probing questions yesterday about what did you learn about this offense sitting on the sideline and watching? He would say, well, you know, I wish I was out there competing like I normally do instead of sitting around and watching. They asked him about getting back under center a little bit more next year. Gave very little about that. Not that he owes anybody any thoughts on that. He doesn't want to tip anybody off, maybe, on what they might or might not do. You agree with that? Did you listen to it? Yeah, I, I came away that he he basically said that he liked what he saw in terms of what was happening under center. He thought that Chase Brown and Joe Mixon could get going next year. Um we don't know if Joe Mixon will be back, but it seemed like he thought Joe Mixon would be back next year. So we'll see in that front as well. Um, but I, I, in general, he, he, he just said that there was some stuff that they were starting to do when he was finally healthy for that, uh, that 49ers game and that Bills game. They were doing some more stuff under center. And then he got hurt and he just was never able to fully dive all the way in like – Jake Browning was able to. So maybe that is the future look of the Bengals. Only time will tell, though. So we'll we'll see. Okay, we'll see. Uh, In other NFL news yesterday, the Jaguars fired their defensive coordinator along with a lot of other guys. Mike Caldwell, he's out after two years. Wink Martindale is expected to step down as the New York Giants defensive coordinator. Apparently, uh, by all accounts, it was a terrible relationship that Martindale, who's very good at his job, had with Brian Dable, the head coach. They called the whole thing toxic, so that's over. The Miami Dolphins will be down to their fifth and sixth string linebackers. How about that? Going into play at Arrowhead against Kansas City. They lost two starters earlier this year to injury, and the two players who replaced those two got hurt in Sunday's loss to Buffalo. And then... We come to college basketball, a big one tonight at Fifth Third Arena. The UC Bearcats, your UC Bearcats, Elliot. That's right. Play their Big 12 home opener with number 25, Texas, coming to town. Cats have won four straight. They sit at 12-2 and and coming off their first win, really big win in years, last Saturday, at number 12, BYU. The Longhorns are 11-3. and three. They lost their most recent game, their conference opener, against Texas Tech. Tip-off set for seven. The game is televised on something called ESPN+. Plus. You have to pay for that. You do, unfortunately. You do. You going to the game? I am. I bought tickets last. I was debating on whether to go. It looks to be, it's going to be, I mean, I, I, I hate to assume, um, but I think it's going to be a sellout. I think it's going to be a sellout crowd. We're up in the, we're up in the nosebleeds. I bought them for my dad and I, so we'll be going to the game. I, I will say this. If they win this, Tom, and did you see the spread on this game, by yes, the way? Yes, I did. We were talking about it before the show. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely preposterous. Five and a half points. Why is it preposterous? I, 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 think, I think it's a uh, it's a couple things. Texas hasn't looked great to start this season, even though they're ranked in the top 25. But I, they haven't looked good. It, it took a miracle over Louisville. They haven't really played anybody. Uh, and you see – like they beat UC beat Stetson, who I think ranks 250. They beat Stetson by eight points at home, and you're gonna tell me we can beat a top 25 team at home by roughly the same amount of points? 
I find that strange. I think it's a little bit of a recency. Uh, big win over BYU. Let's let's bump it up to five and a half. I thought it was going to be UC minus one and a half. Five and a half is a little too much for Ole Elliott. It almost it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense, which means you have to take it. Is fifth third big enough for two E-trains? Nice. Ooh. Is, is, is the arena big enough for the two personalities so. that are E-trained? I think so. He spells his with a Y, I think. Oh. The artist formerly known as Bills and Texans Superfan would like to know, Elliot, if you'd like to join him for a beer at halftime. I will have to see, yeah. I, will, I, I think I'm in section uh, 203 maybe. So we'll, we'll see what we'll see what's going on there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, that's going to be fun. We're going to talk a lot about that game uh, coming up shortly. Other games tonight. You have number six Kentucky at Rupp Arena against Missouri. Miami's at Buffalo. Xavier hosts number four UConn tomorrow night at the Centos Center at eight thirty. In golf, Tiger Woods announced last night that his twenty-seven year relationship with Nike is no more. It's over. It closes maybe the most iconic brand relationship with any athlete in sports history. Is you think he did not say why it ended? Who's made more money? Like, do you think Nike's made more money from Jordan or from Tiger? I would think Jordan, but I don't think it's as far as as it, I think it's closer than people will will give it credit. I think the shoes, right? Yeah, I mean the Jordan thing is. But, all, but Nike's whole, I mean, they're still naming uniforms now after Jordan and, yeah. you know, the whole nine yards. But it's the entire sport of golf. Everything Nike has put out in golf You're right. was had Tiger Woods as an ambassador. Yes. So, I don't know. It's close. So, it's basically what you're saying is the Jordan brand more valuable than the entire golf division. If you Nike. had to buy stock in either one when they first began, where do you think you'd have more money now? 27 years ago, Nike and Tiger – or roughly about 40 years ago with Jordan and Nike. I well, think Jordan. Jordan, yeah. Okay, that'd be like Berkshire Hathaway stuff. Right, right. Right. That's Warren Buffett stuff. Today is National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And here at Chatterbox Sports, we would like to salute the men and women who protect and serve our communities day in and day out. Thank you very much. All right. We begin with the national championship game last night. Mark Fetters had said, please somebody send him a notification when we stop talking about Michigan. So it will be a while. This, this was a mighty impressive football team. You know, somebody made the comment that Ohio State losing to this team by six points looks a lot better now, especially after they take it to Alabama, come back late, beat the SEC champion, then just demolish the Pac-12 champ, which would come as no surprise. Because uh, I've said for years, any time a Pac-12 team in a game that matters plays somebody from the Big Ten or the SEC, they get run in the ground. I did feel bad for Penix. We'll get to him in a minute. But Michigan, you know, they, they, they obviously are so unbelievably well coached. You brought up before the show today, they're not bringing in top recruiting classes no. here over the last few years. So that means that once these guys – and this is what I've always said about every sport – maybe baseball more than any other. It's one thing to draft well, or in this case, recruit well. More importantly is to develop well. So like we look at the Bengals, yeah. right? They, they allegedly drafted well, say, on the offensive line. They've not developed well on the offensive line. Michigan may not be bringing in the best recruits compared to the Ohio States and Georgias and Alabamas of the world. Maybe they're not. 
I don't know what those recruiting rankings really mean at the end of the day anyway. But the bottom line is, once they get there, Jim Harbaugh has got some serious coaching and his staff going on. Yeah, I looked it up because you, you mentioned that they don't have any big recruits. And I said, doesn't Michigan hardly ever get big recruits? They haven't had a single top 10 recruiting class. Not a single one since 2017. And here they are, one of the most dominant teams over the past three years. And, and what they do, now this in the semifinal game, in the final game, I would say both were closer than they really played. Like, it went down into overtime against Alabama. But Michigan pretty much dominated that game. Washington had a – it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. But Michigan dominated that game, and that just shows me that it's not about – in the NFL, you guys talked about this yesterday. It's about who the best who the best quarterback is more often than not. In college, it's who's coached the best. And there's two stats that show me that Michigan's the best coach team in the, in the land. They turned the ball – their offense turned the ball over five times this year. Five times. Yep. They only had 40 penalties this year. That is absolutely incredible. They will not beat themselves. And it's hard to beat a team as talented, as well-coached when they won't beat themselves. They almost did it against Alabama. Mm -hmm. The special teams almost did it. And we knew that watching that game, that this wasn't the Michigan team that we've seen all year long. They're just the best coach team. And they did it without their coach on the sideline for the majority of the year. That's how good of a coach Jim Harbaugh is. is He doesn't have to be on the sideline, and he has his team ready to play. Yeah, they dominated pretty much from the onset of this year. You know who those four turnovers were against, by the way? Four of the five were against one team. Was it against Alabama? No, it was against Bowling Green. Really? Yeah, four of the five. That's so that's incredible. not including special teams, but four of the five offensive turnovers were against Bowling Green. Yeah, I, I, I was. I, I thought uh, Washington did a decent job actually for most of the game. Yeah. Uh, it just came down. It just came down to the end, and Michigan. Uh, the Michigan defense is just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Having it's, said that, though, there were a lot of plays out there that Penix missed. Yep. Yeah, there I were. I mean, there, yeah, were there were some. The one phantom holding call, the officiating, I thought, for the game was terrible. I see. Yeah. And, and, and I normally never badmouth officials, but, I mean, good Lord. I, you know, the, the one phantom call where they hit the big play, they were down seven. They, they had made a 40-yard pass completion. But, but there were a couple of others. I had said to, to my dad, you know, after watching Washington in the uh, semis, that I can't remember a quarterback throwing a better deep ball than Penix. And then how ironic that turned out to be, right. more ironic, maybe more like it, is that all of the open throws, so many of them last night, he overthrew guys that were wide open. Wide open, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, again, I, I do think it was a little bit of a, a, a mental trip for him. I think he was playing a, a defense he's – Right, I think, Has, I think the pressure got to him. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's faced anything close to what he faced last night. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bash Penix too much. He didn't play great. I think he was dealing with uh, injury towards the end of that game. He lost his running back due to injury begin, at the beginning of the game. It looked like he was on one foot. Yeah. So the offense really wasn't clicking. I thought it was strange on both sides. I think Tom, I know, was tweeting about it a little bit, but it kept. It seemed like Washington uh, kept trying to run the ball, and Michigan kept trying to throw the ball at various points in that game. It was. It was. If I had to rank it, it wasn't a horrible national championship game. Yeah, I thought it was going to be. Uh, it came down to obviously those two massive forty-plus yard rushing touchdowns early. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. It was a decent game. Washington dug their heels in. Yeah. Like, like I saw you tweeting about about the runs, and everyone was literally everyone on Twitter was like, "Why is Michigan trying to throw the ball? Why is Washington trying to run the ball with with a guy on one leg?" But I, from from the onset, Michigan was just, just I mean, bully balling. 
just just putting it right down the field. Those two big runs, 200 rushing yards in the first half. Yep. But really, from the quarters, the second quarter and the third quarter, Washington dug their heels in. And, and said, listen, we're not going to let you just run the ball all over us this, this entire game. Now, Michigan eventually got over that because they started throwing the ball a little bit and, and, and opening up the holes once again for the running backs. But, yeah, Washington, they adjusted well. Just Michigan was just the better team. Yeah, they're the, be- they're the best team all season long. I mean, think about that league looking ahead to next year. I mean, my gosh. Washington, Oregon, SC, UCLA coming into that conference next year. Mm-hmm. Man. I mean, those are some of the teams you, 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 you match up with out of conference. You know, well, Michigan doesn't. They don't, they don't play anybody in the preseason. But, you know, whether it's Wisconsin or whether it's, I mean, fill in the blank, it goes to Penn State uh, playing SEC teams or, you know, Ohio State playing Notre Dame, coming up with Alabama here in another year or two out of conference. I mean, it used to be you'd schedule an Oregon or a Washington out of conference for your big game. Yeah. Now, you're not going to play every one of them because there's too many teams. But my God, what a conference that's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very competitive conference. Um, There's not going to be any more just coasting for Ohio State, Michigan, until they face each other. There's going to be an even tougher uphill battle for my Nittany Lions to overcome. It... (laughs) <laughs> and quite frankly, what? Name a player. You weren't around here for the Name very beginning of the show. Casey, from the very first week we were on the air, talked yeah. about family. That's right. And Penn State ties. That's so right. he is a Penn State guy. I mean, who would admit that publicly? I certainly right. wouldn't. Right? What? I, I just, what can I say? It's what I grew up on. Penn State's my my team, always will be. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the Big 12 – it's not Big 12, Big 10, whatever we want to call it, Big 19, Big 18. Uh, the numbers are relative. Yeah, they, they uh, that's going to be a really, really tough conference. Tom, I thought this game, Washington versus Michigan, this championship, honestly, I, I do think it came down to those two big plays early on in the first quarter. Michigan, they they did what they always do, run the ball. And Washington just wasn't really prepared for it. They overcommitted to, to one side. The guy leaks out to the other side and scores a touchdown, Donovan Edwards. And that happened really twice. I mean, they, they just were overcommitting, overpursuing, because they were wanting to stop the run. And they did pretty much stop the run for, what, half that game, you would yep. say? They Well, after the first quarter, they started to whittle down. It went from whatever it was, 13 yards per carry because of the two big runs. Yeah. Then down to 4.4, then down to 4.2. Yeah, and then and then they had another big run at the end there to, to kind of solidify it. But, yeah, the, the, the game plan for Washington, I think, was solid. They just didn't execute well enough. I think that, just like those guys said before, Penix pressured like he's never been pressured before. And that started to lead to him missing some throws downfield. Um, I don't think that we're talking enough about Dylan Johnson's injury. I mean, he he got hurt, yep. on the, like hurt a, a different injury again on the very first play, second play of their drive, their first drive. And it just, you could tell they had no presence there in their run game. And I think that was a huge factor. I think that they were wanting to try to establish the run a little bit more. So they could throw it over the top, get a numbers advantage, 
try to make Michigan stack the box so they could throw it over top. And that just never happened in the end. So uh, that's kind of unfortunate for them that that game play never came to fruition. Let me ask you this. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. We were talking about this before the show started. Um, I, you know, I talked about what has been as a two-year starter, two-and-a-half-year starter for J.J. McCarthy. You know, this is the kind of guy Reed doesn't like. This is the kind of guy that, you know, even though he plays for Michigan, the kind I of guy love I love. The guy's a winner. He's a gamer. He's tough. He's a leader. I don't think he's you know, you dump all over those guys. What unless are you you're scoring 20. About? Am I right, Elliot? You are right, Tom. The Adam Kunkels. Who's the other one we said? That he Fletcher said he didn't Lawyer. Like? Who? Fletcher Lawyer? Yes. I kind of like Fletcher gamer. Lawyer. Gamer. What are you talking about? Total gamer. Oh, Number one ranked team in the country last time I checked. Yeah, and they're going to lose. And he's their second leading scorer. To halfway Dickinson. Well, you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. But anyway, McCarthy, 27-1 and as a starter. He's won back-to-back -back Big Ten titles, beating Ohio State back-to-back -back years, taking his team to the college football playoffs. Michigan's been three years in a row. He's been there twice as a starter. Um, he loses last year to TCU, did not play well. Uh, but this year he comes back. He wasn't really very good at all yesterday. No. I mean, he missed a lot of throws. And, you know, what I'm getting at ultimately here is um, I saw where Mer Mel Kuyper Jr., who I have incredible respect for. People, you know, tend to make fun of him from time to time. But there can't be a harder working human being on the planet than Mel Kuyper Jr. Mm -hmm. For what he does for a living, that guy busts his tail. And I saw where they put up the graphic last night that McCarthy, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., is the number five ranked quarterback prospect in college football. That shocked me. I think J.J. McCarthy's a great college quarterback. Do, do you see him being a great pro quarterback? I mean, J.J. McCarthy? If you think about the fifth-ranked quarterback, that's normally like a third-round pick, right? Second well, it pick. all depends on the year. But like, so and it all depends on the need. There are a lot true. of teams out there that need a quarterback. That's I mean, right. Jake Browning made the comment the other day, and he is spot on that he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the world. And I think you could probably put him in a top 24, 25. So, I don't know. Like, we, we, could, we can list out the quarterbacks that are certainly better than, than J.J. McCarthy, but then you got to ask the question, who, who should jump in front of J.J.? So you put Michael Penix, sure. Caleb Williams, sure. Drake, Drake May, sure. Who's the other one I'm missing? Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Those four guys certainly in front of uh, in front of JJ McCarthy. But but Bo Nix. No, I'd rather have JJ McCarthy than Bo Nix probably. What? No. Yeah. Okay. Bo Nix right. has been a lot of places. Hasn't won like JJ. Right. That matters. You'd say it doesn't matter being a winner, but it does. Having that mentality that you're gonna win matters. And, and, and almost every quarterback has had success in some some field. But, yeah, I mean, J.J. McCarthy feels, to me, feels like a late second round, early third round pick. Maybe I'm way off. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't give him in the first round, but some team will will, will try for him. Yeah. I think that feel, feels I, fair. I think Desmond Ritter was a far better college quarterback, and I don't think it's close. You don't mean that. I do. Who's I do a better that. college quarterback? I think Desmond Ritter was better. I think Des Desmond Ritter was a better college quarterback, and I don't think Desmond Ritter was good enough to be in the NFL. So I, I don't think J.J. McCarthy's even close to being an NFL quarterback. Not even remotely close. It was the biggest game of his career last night. He, th he completed 10 passes on 18 attempts. And I know you might say, well, Michigan, they, they, they've been running the ball all season. That's Yeah, they fine. don't need to run the ball. They don't need to throw the ball. That's fine. But uh, you can't sit here and say he's an unbelievable college quarterback. He doesn't, I mean, 
He barely throws. They don't need the, him to throw. They have the here, world's best defense. Well, he's a winner. Here's not his, to mention, not to mention, they don't play anybody. Here's his if, numbers. If they don't play. They don't play anybody. He has three thousand yards on the season. Seventy-two percent uh, completion percentage. Yeah. Twenty-two touchdowns. Four interceptions. That's two. Games. Those are really good four numbers. I, those are good college numbers, I guess. But games? it's not like you're not getting anywhere near the the first round grade in my opinion like that those are not very great numbers to get drafted i'm kind of with elliot here i don't i don't get the idea of him being a even in a third round pick to be honest with you i just don't see it the the, the games i've seen him play which mainly are ohio state alabama and this washington game i was not impressed at all not impressed whatsoever i i mean we're gonna his scramble on that one drive, that was that was pretty impressive. The guy's a winner, man. That's what I'm, that's what I'm that's saying. That's what like, if he you're is. Gonna... Whatever you need him to do on any given game, sometimes they need him to throw it. You know, he had to throw it coming back against Alabama. They're down 10 in the fourth. Right. Right? Whatever they ask him to do, he does it and does it extraordinarily well. Look, 28 college starts, 27 wins. Sign me up. Listen, here's the thing, Tom. He's coming back. Is unlike other positions in the NFL draft, like in the other positions, you can get like in the second and third round, and you can get a guy with with a with a high ceiling, right? You can get a guy that sure. like maybe a little raw, but has all these intangibles. That's not how it works for quarterback. If a dude has a high ceiling, they're gonna draft him in the first round because they know how valuable that position is. Typically, when you draft a quarterback in the third, second, fourth round, you're getting a guy that that's that's a little limited, which I think we can all agree JJ McCarthy is right. Doesn't have the huge arm. Doesn't, doesn't scramble, doesn't have the athleticism of other guys. But if I'm drafting a quarterback and I'm saying, listen, I'm gonna, we're going to take a guy in the third round, just someone nice and reliable. Yep. And I look at the quarterbacks on the board that are going to be around that time. Why not take the guy that's 27-1? and one? He's I coming agree. off a national championship. Okay, but if you Ohio make State that, twice, okay, Alabama. All right, but if you make that case, and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but if you make that case, why wasn't Stetson Bennett drafted higher? Now, the physical tools are very different, and right. that's probably the answer to the question. Right. McCarthy's tall, Age. he's fast, he can run, right? All those things. Well, I Jay mean, if you just go by winning games and doing whatever they asked him to do, nobody was better than Bennett. Right. Well, J.J. McCarthy's 20 years old. Stetson Bennett was, I think, 42 coming into the draft <laughs> last year, so... I, age, age, that's the difference. Like, if J.J. McCarthy was 27 years old, like Stetson Bennett was going in the draft, we wouldn't be talking about him like he's okay. the run back. He's 20. He's 20 years old. Yeah. So. And, boy, for Ohio State fans, you sit there and you think about the way that whole thing, and we've told that story on, on this show before. I have a very good friend of mine in Chicago, one of my dearest friends in the world for 30 years, who lives right down the street from J.J. McCarthy's family. The guy's entire room through high school was decorated with nothing but Ohio State stuff. That's all he ever wanted to do was play quarterback for Ohio State. And when it came down to offering one or the other a scholarship, Ryan Day gave the scholarship to Kyle McCord, and the rest is history. Another. But that happens. I mean, Brian Billick, who's going to join us, by the way, at 11. So if you can send him a link, please, Casey. Okay. That'd be great. He's coaching in the um, is it the Senior Bowl. He does that every single year. Yeah. Um, so uh, he'll join us at 11 uh, to talk about, you know, I want to ask him about Harbaugh. So let's get into that here for a second. 
because there are a lot of tentacles to this whole thing. Jim Harbaugh is one of the five best coaches on the planet, pro or college. He might be top three. You put Belichick, you put Saban. I'm not sure Andy Reid could do at the college level what Harbaugh has done at the college level. I could be wrong. If I had to have a coach tomorrow to start my franchise or to rebuild a college football program, I am taking Harbaugh ahead of Andy Reid. That's me. Doesn't mean I'm right. Sure. I mean, Reid's won a couple of Super Bowls. He's done a phenomenal job with the Eagles and with the Chiefs. You can't take it, even if you go 3-4. Those are the best college. Those are the best coaches on the planet. Harbaugh's right there. So now here he is, and, and and let's try to put ourselves. And I always try to do this before you make any judgment on anybody about anything. Try to put yourself in another man's shoes. And we don't know all the particulars of, you know, what's going on at home, and you know what's going on with his kids, and having to pick up and move his family. All those sorts of things we don't know. But if we just on the surface were to try to put ourselves in Harbaugh's shoes. Let's try and do that for a minute. He's an unbelievably loyal guy. He loves Michigan. He was a great player there. He was a first-round draft pick there. He is a Michigan man, coached by Bo Schembechler the whole nine yards. He is the University of Michigan through and through. He is also a head coach who now has accomplished – the highest high that he can reach in college football. He's won a national championship. He's won three straight Big Ten titles. He's beaten Ohio State three years in a row after getting humiliated by Trestle and Urban. So, or actually by the time he got there, he just got his brains kicked in by Urban. Didn't beat him one time. Um, but, but look, he's hit the highest high. As a pro coach, he took a team to the Super Bowl. Now, there are quirkiness issues with Harbaugh. That cannot be denied. I've known the guy a long time. I like him. I find him very interesting. He's very smart, but he is a quirky dude. And he wants control. So if he walks into some pro job, he is going to want to have a say on a lot of things. His track record, and you can only go by one team because it's only one team he's ever coached in the NFL, and that's the 49ers. He did not have a great relationship with the general manager at all. They were always going at it. There was always something happening. He didn't necessarily have a great relationship with the owner in Jeb York, who was running that franchise, the son of Dr. York, who's married to Eddie DeBartolo's sister. So an owner who's going to offer him the job has to understand what comes with Harbaugh from a personality standpoint, but you also know what you're getting as a coach. Big, 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 big time coach. So if you're Harbaugh, there is an NCAA investigation going on right now, a very serious NCAA investigation. And some of the justification of all of this by some Michigan fans just blows my mind. Take a step back. Try not to be a fan for a minute. Look at the thing objectively. And again, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. If this was Ohio State that was being accused what Michigan was accused of, if this was Penn State, if this was USC, if this was Alabama, if this was Georgia, you would be saying, this is serious stuff. 
But just because it's your team, you just dismiss it outright. That's insanity. It's insanity. doesn't take away with what they did on the field or the year they had, but it's insanity to believe that. There are serious allegations. You have a coach that was suspended for six games this year. Six of them. And neither one of those suspensions had anything to do in the grand scheme of things with this NCAA investigation. The Big Ten suspended him for three games for their reasons, whatever they were. This NCAA thing is a whole different ballgame. Where it ends up, like I said in the monologue, time will tell. But if you're Harbaugh, are you walking out the door or are you going to see this thing through, good or bad, whatever the NCAA hands down, and stay at Michigan? I wish that I had a, a, a grip on this pulse on this question, but I really don't. I could see this going. I, I think Jim Harbaugh truly is a stand-up man. Like I don't think he's – if he takes an NFL job, I it would seem like he'd be running away from a problem he created or at least was involved with. I don't know if he created. Right. And, and, um, but he also seems like a guy that would sit there and like, hey, well, I'm going to see this thing through. And I think Michigan's going to be hell-bent on keeping Harbaugh because they know through the waters that are ahead, only one guy can, can, can navigate him through that. Yep. And that's Jim Harbaugh. So I, I wish I really had a had a take on this. I wish I had an opinion on what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. As me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm not a stand up guy. Yeah. I'm not a stand up guy. I'm leaving. I'm taking I'm taking my my championship. I'm going to the NFL and I'm going to try and do it there to even further cement the legacy that he might be the best coach that we've seen in this era. Because everywhere he's gone, he has completely turned around the no program. No doubt, and and in two such cases, terrible situations. Right. I mean, with with well, really three. I mean, San Diego, uh, Stanford was terrible. He came in there, got that thing going. They finished fourth in the country his last year there. Michigan was a dumpster fire before. Yeah, and really the 49ers right. were a total Everywhere dumpster. he's gone, he's right. completely revamped right. the program right. or the franchise yep. and turned them into championship contenders. This is his first championship, but he's one of the best coaches that we've seen. He really is. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Michigan stuff if I'm an NFL GM. I would, I would, I think every single GM except for those that have Andy Reid. Like I think twenty-eight out of the thirty-two coaches or GMs in the NFL should reach out and just feel the pulse and just go, "Hey Jim, any interest in coaching our team? We'll kick the guy to the curb that we got. We want you." I and again, there is a zero percent chance he stays. This is it's just a big headache that he's going to deal with for the next several seasons. If he were to stay at Michigan, he's going to get suspended. He's going to miss games. Uh, I don't think they're going to strip that title. I don't. But they could, and that's just another thing. That's just another that's just another annoyance for him to have to deal with. He's going to go to the NFL, and if you're an NFL, if you're an NFL GM like Regis said, you're going to take a chance on him. He got caught for stealing signs. Bill Belichick is regarded as the greatest head coach in NFL history. He's done it several times and has been caught doing it. Bill Belichick deflated footballs, caught doing it. Uh, again, I'm not going to defend cheating, but let's not sit here and pretend that not everybody in the world is doing it. Everybody in college athletics is doing it. Everybody in the NFL is doing it. They just don't all get caught. Harbaugh got caught, and that's and that's what we're debating here. So this is a guy who got caught cheating, right? And, and, and now you're going to go to the NFL where, again, Bill Belichick, greatest head coach of all time, dynasty, seven Super Bowls, he got caught cheating. So I, I don't think anybody cares about that. Uh, outside of the NCAA, who I, I think is, is truly a horrible organization. But, 
Again, for all that's good and right, for the Big Ten, for the, for the academic standards, blah, 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 cheating wrong, sure, 100%. But everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. He got caught. I, I have two opinions on this whole cheating thing. And one is that I truly believe that this is one of the most – and I, I, I'm sure you guys in the chat are going to love this. I think this is one of the most overblown scandals in college football history. I really do. I think it's, I think it's entirely overblown. That being said, one thing that we learned last night is that cheating wins. If you, if you, if you didn't know that already, that cemented it. Michigan – did it? Patriots did it. The Astros. I mean, th think about all the cheating scandals that have happened in the past 20 plus years. Equals winning. Cheaters prosper, apparently. How ironic is it that Michigan won the national championship in Houston? Houston. That's right. Yes, sure. Hmm. I think he's gone, though. I think he's gone. You really do. Casey, you think he's gone? Um... I you just think he's gone. You think I, Jim Harbaugh is going to leave the University of Michigan and go coach in the National Football League? Wish we could yeah. run that music. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I yesterday I thought that he was going to be 100% gone after winning a national championship. I think the headache is just too much for him. But And, and this is right after him winning a, a, a national championship with Michigan. He did say something that kind of implied that Maybe his long-term plan is to stay at Michigan. Uh, I didn't have time to really uh, watch the video. I'm just scrolling here through Twitter to make sure that we're all up to date. No breaking news here. And I just saw that head coach John Harbaugh said something that might have implied that he wants to stay at Michigan. So that being said, I think there's a 50-50 chance. I, I, in my mind, I would be so fed up with the college landscape. I'd just be so tired about it. I, Anything he does is a suspension. I mean, he gave a kid a hamburger for crying out loud, and they gave him a three-game suspension. Like, I think, like Reed said, I think the the cheating scandal is a little overblown because basically every other team is doing it already. They just didn't get caught. Like, okay, but isn't that the issue though? I mean, really, you can. I mean, any of us can make that blanket statement that everybody's doing it. It's like some catchphrase. That everybody's doing it. So that means I can go do it. I mean, I, I don't believe for a second that everyone's doing it. I mean, I, the reaction alone by Urban Meyer when he found out about this thing, and I would always get back to him, but that's just because I know him. He said he had never heard of in his career somebody doing, which is alleged that Michigan is doing in his entire coaching career. Paying and sending people to videotape the opposing team's sidelines, which are clearly against the rules, and paying and buying tickets for those people to go do that. I mean, I don't believe for a second that everyone's doing it. I'm not saying there aren't some out there that are doing it. But to throw some blanket statement, I think, is very unfair. It's like saying that every husband cheats. Well, here, That's not fair to say that. Here's, and it's not fair to accuse every single college football coach in America of being a cheater. Well, here, here's the truth, That's Tom. That's ridiculous. Here, here's the truth. Every team is trying to figure out every other team's signs. Whether or not you're halfway trying to figure it out by just maybe watching the game film or if you're sending someone, the punishment's all the same if you get caught. So kudos to Michigan. They went all in on the cheating thing. They're going to get punished. Just like if they were to they barely the get hardest. caught cheating. They did. 
So and, that, well, that's also, where it's like. And again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but Bill Belichick got suspended. He got caught for doing literally the exact same thing. The exact same thing. I'm not saying everybody's doing it. I don't think, I don't think Purdue cares enough to do it. I don't think the University of Cincinnati football program cares enough to do it. They certainly didn't do it last year. I'm just saying, I, 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 think, I, I think you would be hard-pressed to say that uh, Michigan is the only team in college athletics to be trying willingly to take an advantage and, and steal signs. I, 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 don't, I, don't I, think I right. didn't say that. That would be moronic to say as well. It's moronic to think they're the only ones doing it, just as I believe it is unfair to say that everybody's doing it. Is that fair? We agree to disagree or disagree sure, to ask, agree? Or? Sure, but let me ask you this. Before the NIL, would you say everybody was doing some sort of illegal recruiting, paying for dinners, what have you? Well, paying for dinners is very different than, say, paying players. Sure, sure, it is very different. And but I it think, is still against. I think it, I think it was a dramatic difference between. Sure, what but it was is still against. The, it was still against the rules. No. True. So everybody was doing that. I want to make that very clear. So that's and that's why I say that. Do I think everybody's being a psych, psychopath, sending this guy to wear spy sunglasses out in the sidelines? No. Do I think everybody's doing it? No. But I do think there's a better than not chance that there's a sizable amount of college programs out there doing it. Do I think everybody, should I say everybody? No. But if you look at the recruiting before NIL, everybody, and I do mean everybody, was illegally recruiting per the rules of the NCAA. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the bottom line is, is that if you were a betting man, and we're going to wrap up some of this stuff on the college football playoff, we get some stuff to, to but, but I mean, this is a deeper topic than that because you have um, so many questions moving forward as to what is going to happen. If anything, maybe nothing at all. And one of the questions I found interesting was, because we asked about this on the show yesterday and was brought up on X uh, last night and again this morning is, is if, 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 and I'm not, I don't want it to happen. I don't want them to get nailed. I know a lot of people think that I hate Michigan. And I don't because I don't hate Harbaugh. I like the guy. I genuinely like him. You used to interview him. I mean, I like him a lot. Um, and, and I don't think that there has been any evidence so far. Now, maybe the NCAA knows different. That Harbaugh knew about this stuff that was going on. Do I think there's a chance there's some link to a guy on his staff? I think the chances are probably pretty good that's going to come out. And so somebody's going to be the fall guy for this thing. Yep. But it doesn't mean that Harbaugh knew about it. So I really don't hate, for those of you here on the chat that are saying, oh, Tom, old man, you hate Michigan, blah, blah. I don't. I don't hate him. I'm glad the Big Ten won a championship. I'm tired of hearing about the SEC. All I'm saying is this. Harbaugh in some form or fashion, is going to have to pay the fiddler, as they like to say. Something is going to come out about this. Something, something. It might be small. It might be huge. We brought up earlier, they've not traditionally recruited all that great, but they're great coaches. It makes you wonder, do, do some of the other people involved in recruiting against Michigan, you know they're using it against them, this whole investigation, Michigan has not signed a single top 75 high school recruit in the country for next year. So the 75 best ranked high school football players in America that are seniors right now and already made their commitments, Michigan has not signed one of them. Now, I don't know what that means, if anything, because all I know is, is if I had a kid that was a great football player and they had a chance to go play for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, I'd send them there in a heartbeat. Because they're going to be big time coached. 
Yep. Yeah, here's the thing is, like, I, I brought up the Michigan recruiting classes, and they haven't had a top 10 recruiting class since 2017. They currently, according to uh, 247, 24-7, um, they're currently ranked 20th in the country in the 2024 recruiting class. Their recruiting class last year was 20th. So, I mean, this is more of the same. Like, they, Harbaugh has never, has never excelled at recruiting. This isn't Texas A&M where they have a top five recruiting class That's every right. year and never win anything. That's the best example of coaching. Right. It's, he, he's doing it with a, with a less than top ten recruiting class. He gets these guys in, coaches them up, and then it's win, win, win. I don't know. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let, let, let's, you know, we're going to have Brian Villa coming on in about ten minutes, and we'll want to get some, um, to some ad breaks uh, beforehand. If you were a betting man, and we don't know all the jobs that are officially opened in the NFL right now. Right. Okay. And we, we got to do this a little bit yesterday, but let's say we throw in a couple of others that might open up. Okay. So we know, and, and I, I don't have a list in front of me here, but we know Carolina's open. We know Atlanta is open. We know that uh, the Chargers job is open. I'm not sure that the Raiders job, that, that's an interesting one because there are some major league dynamics to that whole thing. I mean, Harbaugh used to be an assistant coach there many, many years ago. Mark Davis loves a guy who owns a team, the son of Al Davis. They have Antonio Pierce, who went five and four the last nine after taking over for Josh McDaniels. He's got players left and right saying he ought to get the job, right? But if you're the owner and you're saying, oh, Antonio Pierce did a great job, but it's Jim Harbaugh. If you were a betting man, and I know that some of you in this room are heavily betting men, by the way, Lindsay, are you a gambler? No, I'm not. You're not? Have you thought about it? No, I don't think I would play my cards right, honestly. Well, believe me, you're not alone in this room in that regard. If you had to say your crystal ball, which mine broke years ago, if you were to look in that crystal ball, if yours is still working, Jim Harbaugh is the head coach next year, and it could be Michigan, could be the answer. Jim Harbaugh is the head coach next year where? If... If you made me put money on where Jim Harbaugh is the head football coach next year, I think the best value would be Michigan. Now, if it's 50, I think it's about 50-50 whether he leaves Michigan or goes to the NFL. So if you make me decide on whether I think he's going to be at Michigan next year or the NFL, I side more likely NFL. But at Okay, this but if that's the case, in which NFL team? Uh, so if you're saying 50-50, that's fine. Uh, which one would it be? I, you know, the Bears uh, don't have an opening, but there's been a lot of talk there, right? I think the smartest thing the Chicago Bears can do is hard reboot that entire thing, get Jim Harbaugh, get Caleb Williams, and, and let it roll. But, but I think somewhere I, uh, Chargers fit, and I know the Chargers are going heavy after him. I know the Chargers are recruiting Jim Harbaugh heavier than Jim Harbaugh recruits any college kid in the in the country. So uh, if you're making me put a put a pin on someone. Sure, I'll go with what I think. I'll, I'll say Chargers. I was going to say Bears. but I'll say I'm going to say Bears just because of the emotion. How long did he play for the Bears? 10 years? 12 uh, years? No, not that long, but not he was there long. a while. Uh, yeah, I, I think he will go to the Chicago Bears. I know they would have to fire. What's his name? Eberflus? Eberflus. I, yeah, I think they should get rid of Eberflus. I think they should trade Justin Fields and, and reboot that whole thing. I agree. I agree. I don't think he's staying in Michigan. If they do, if they do, if the Bears do get Jim Harbaugh, then I think you have to. I think you have to get rid of Justin Fields then and, and just start anew. I disagree with that. I but disagree with that, too. I mean, I, I think you're giving this guy now a, a brand-new, fresh start yeah. in fields with a guy who knows the position and can play yeah. the position and can coach the position. 
I mean, what the hell's the difference bringing in Caleb Williams, who has zero experience at the pro level, as opposed to a guy who's who's done some not so good things, but he's done some really good things, and he's got three years under his belt in the league, and he's a better athlete than Caleb Williams. Yeah, I just haven't. The thing about Justin Fields is, I think he's a fine quarterback. I just know you next year you're going to have to pay him forty five million dollars, forty million dollars a year. And I don't want to pay Justin Fields $45, $40 million when I'm not seeing vast improvements. I'm not seeing he's, – he's slightly improving. He's getting a little better every year. But he's been in the league three years now. He's been in the league three years, and he's, and he's barely better than when he, when he entered the league. If I saw vast improvements, if I saw more consistency, I'd be more than willing to give Justin Fields $45 million. But I'd rather give it to the guy that's maybe the best prospect or best quarterback prospect the league has seen in a decade – and with a new coach and restarting the clock. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just not willing to give Justin Fields $45 million a year. He's made J.J. McCarthy a national champion. I don't see why he can't help Justin Fields as well. Now, Justin Fields fits, fits kind of the mold that um, Jim Harbaugh succeeded under when he had Colin Kaepernick, That's kind of right. a, a scrambler That's and right. moving around. So fits that mold if Jim Harbaugh wants to play that style. But as we've seen, Jim Harbaugh won in Stanford with Andrew Luck, who was under center a lot, and then he won in Michigan – with a guy under center a lot, so I don't know. I if 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 I'm bringing in a new coach, I want to reset the whole thing. Okay. All right. So where are you saying you're saying He's where? Bears. I'm on the Bears. Oh, I'm you're a, the I'm Bears. Bears. You're the Chargers. Yes. What about you, Casey? Um. So out of the teams that have vacancies, it's Panthers, Patriots. Well, probably Patriots. Commanders, Falcons, which is probably a team I'm going to go with, and the Bears. So. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Atlanta just because I think that the same thing kind of applies with the Bears that it does with Atlanta. They're gonna be going in with a new quarterback. They're not gonna have Desmond Ritter there. They have really good defense. They have an offensive line that's very good in 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 the run game. They've got Bijan that kind of fits his mold of wanting to run the ball a lot. So I think maybe that play style works to his advantage. Okay. So that I think just based off of the roster and how it's constructed at the current moment. All you'd have to do is find a quarterback that he likes. Maybe he brings in J.J. McCarthy. I don't know. That's a possibility, too. We hyped him up a little bit. So, yeah, those are uh, those are my – that's my team is Atlanta. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get to Brian Billick, let's take a, uh, let's take a break. We're going to ask him about the upcoming playoffs. We'll ask him a little bit about this Jim Harbaugh thing. What would he do? Uh, or what does he think Harbaugh might do? Uh, and, and obviously, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the matchups uh, going into the National Football League playoffs this coming weekend. And we got to get to our picks. That's right. Yes, we do. Let's right? take an hour. That's do right. Do you have anything else? Any letters? Anything else today? Anything no letter today. On? Letter tomorrow. Read top five tomorrow as well. Read top five tomorrow. We have buy or sell, but I, it was mostly about Jim Harbaugh and coaching stuff. Okay. So we All right. Well, we covered it. Yes. Correct. I think we covered correct. it. Correct. Hopefully, we covered it. All right. Casey, take it away, big boy. All right. Uh, the Bear, future Bearcat report that we're going to cover uh, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you about Pawnee Water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. 
Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet. Nope. Nope. No betting with anyone yet. You bet with anyone. Uh, you can bet with anyone. Get your coffee from UDF. <laughs> Technology solutions from Encore. Drink lots of Pawnee Water. Send us pictures of uh, the Pawnee Water that you buy, too, if you, uh, if you have some at your gas station or if you're buying some from Pawnee. We still love those photos. Um, that would help us out a little bit there as well. And, uh, yeah, guys, um, we have not yet really dove into, um, we haven't gotten your thoughts read on the NFL, what happened over the weekend. Do you have any just thoths in general, like, uh, playoffs, what, what that looks uh, like at this moment? I think moment? we'll dive into the playoffs and, and stuff like that. I like a couple of, uh, of, of games. I thought that the, the script writers for the NFL did a great job queuing up some storylines. Yep. I mean, um, we got the Texans versus the Browns. Obviously, the Browns, all the draft picks that they traded to the Texans led to the Texans having this early success. Um, obviously, the Stafford-Lions thing. So, they did a very good job. I think Dolphins-Chiefs is going to be a, a really fun game. I had gained quite a bit of appreciation for Josh Allen over this week, and he is, he is just splendid to watch. He is just splendid. You, you never know what you're going to get. It really is just a giant roller coaster. He is... Uh, Always the talk has been he turns the ball over too much. And Casey, Casey drilled it into my head. He's like, maybe it doesn't matter how much he turns the ball over because maybe he doesn't. What was the, the stat that Casey threw out that he's got the best um, scoring to turnover ratio in the league despite having the most turnovers? Yeah, and he leads by – like he has the most touchdowns by like 20 or 30 touchdowns too. It's – he – is the one guy in the league. I think still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Josh Allen, I would put number two. Lamar Jackson's up there. But he's the one guy that can win or lose you a game. You just go, hey, hey, J.A., win this game for us. Yeah, I like Josh Allen a lot. Um, like, what's crazy is, like, you look at the game against Miami, and I'll keep hammering this point because it just – it makes no sense for him to do some of the stuff that he does. He was 30 of 38 for, like, 360 yards – couple touchdowns yet he still makes those boneheaded interceptions those fumbles and it's like if he would just clean it up a little bit how good josh allen would really be but the question is is if you tell him to pull it back you tell him to reel it in a little bit what does he look like right like are you are you limiting his ability to create plays if you say hey we want you to we want you to peel it back a little bit bring it back just a tad so we're not turning the ball over as much and then josh is like well that's not who i am that's not how I am as a player. It's like a – this is a terrible comparison, but remember Dontrell Willis when he came into the league for in, in Major League Baseball? He had this big leg kick, and he looked so goofy throwing the ball, and everyone's like, man, what if you just made him – like how much velocity is he losing from this big leg kick? How much is he losing as a pitcher? And then you talk to this pitching coach and be like, hey, if we don't let Dontrell be Dontrell, what mm -hmm. do we got here? So at some points, you just got to let a player be the player that they are. That's right. I think he hit a home run for the Reds. Did he? D-Train. I think he did. He was my favorite player growing up. Uh, right, Because he was, he was Rookie of the Year in 2003. Obviously, the Cubs lost to them in that, that NLCS. Tom called that series. But uh, he's my favorite player, not from the Cubs. At that I time. think he hit a home run against the Astros. I think that was the team he hit a home run against. Dontrell. He'll be wrong about that. D-Train. Big, big leaguer. He, swing, he would swing it. Oh yeah, he could definitely swing it. He was he he was a uh, he had a good run at it there for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah always good the year. The I think he was like second in MVP voting his second year in the league. So, he's a good player. Solid. 
Reed, I got a question for you. Sleep. Yes. Out of the 15 games, out of the 15 games the Michigan Wolverines played, how many did J.J. McCarthy throw more than 20 passes in? Out of the 15 games they played, I would say uh, 11. Five. I was going to say Wow. Five. Five means they ran the ball pretty doggone well. Here's That's the, right. Here's like, like it's. I'm not. I'm not saying that JJ McCarthy is going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't want teams to take him in the first round. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to take a guy in the third round, why not take a guy that's lost one game in his college career, a guy that's 20 years old, a guy that does have some ability to, to move around. There's a little no bit. doubt about that. Like I don't know. Like it just. It it, it just seems like if I could take him or Bo Nix. He threw less than 15 passes seven times. And that's the kind of stuff. And look, we, we, we've heard from Brian Billick before. He wrote, he's written a couple of books, but one of them, uh, a chapter deals, and we've talked about this on this show with him, without him, uh, about historically, you go back and look at, and this specifically deals with the first round of, of the percentages of hitting on a quarterback. 50-50. Flip coins. We talk about these guys we watch in college who we, we watch and we're like, oh, man, that guy's going to be a heck of a pro. And they're a total bust. Conversely, I mean, Tom Brady hung around to what, the sixth round? Right. Right? Anybody see that coming? Greatest right. quarterback of all time. Good point. Right? So, you know. Brock Purdy was Mr. Real. Their example, they're all over the place. Yeah, Purdy, not your draft, last guy drafted. So, you know, it, it's, it's a flip of the coin. Um, and so much of the success obviously has to do with where you go. I mean, just look at the top two picks in this year's draft alone. Bryce Young. Nobody's saying this guy's not going to be a good quarterback or a great quarterback. We don't know. But he went to a terrible team. C.J. Stroud, right? And, and by the way, on the surface, Young goes to a team, and we've talked about this, that had a former quarterback – and Frank Reich is the head coach, right. longtime offensive coordinator in the NFL, Reich, one of the brightest offensive minds around in the NFL, whereas Stroud gets beat up leading into the, the, the draft. They say all these bad things about him. Houston says, I don't care about all that stuff, right? Yep, right. Whatever they are, right, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent, we're taking him with a second pick. Oh, and by the way, his head coach is a defensive linebacker from his playing days. So on the surface, right. you'd say, well, Bryce Young's chances are probably pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, of maybe just having a little bit better coaching, uh, a little bit better chance his first year in the league. Well, it's night and day, the difference between the two, and it's not all Bryce Young's fault. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't. And, and listen, I, I, once again, I'm not saying that they should take this guy in the first round. I, I'm going to pull up, like, draft picks in the third and fourth round, second, third round, are almost never, never anything worth. Like, these are the last, these are the quarterbacks taken in the second and third round over the last three drafts. You ready? Last year, these are the quarterbacks taken in the second to fourth round. You got Will Levis taken in the second. Hendon Hooker taken in the third. Okay, go to the year before that. Who do you got taken in the, the – no one taken in the second round. Desmond Ritter was taken in the third. Malik Willis was taken in the third. Matt Coral was taken in the third. Bailey Zappi was taken in the fourth. You got Kyle Trask taken in the 2021 draft in the second round. Kellen Mond, Davis Millis, Mills. Like, we're talking about 
guys that aren't expected to have 15-year careers. And if I'm going to draft a guy in the third round, I'm going to take J.J. McCarthy because he's 27-1. and one. And it's just simple as that. I'm not saying these guys are franchise guys. I'm just, if you're going to draft a guy in the third round, why not take the guy that just won a national and championship? Look, uh, Mr. Mel brings up a great point. If you just go by the numbers of the one season that Hooker had as a starter at Tennessee, he was a much more prolific college just passing quarterback right. than J.J. McCarthy ever was. Sure. But one of the reasons Hooker, in fairness, slipped was because he tore his knee. He wasn't going to come back for a full year. He blew his ACL at the end of last year playing for Tennessee. So He was also a little older, too, right? He yeah, was, he was a uh, transfer guy. But the point is, is that he would have been a much higher draft pick uh, were he not to have gotten hurt last year. Any word yet for Billick? No, not Okay, no. I just told him we'd resend the, uh, the link. Quarterbacks taken. And another thing is, like, Jason McCarthy, I said this before, he's 20 years old. You look at guys, Will Levis was 24 in the draft. Hendon Hooker was 25. Stetson Bennett was 25. Aiden O'Connell, 25. We're talking about a guy who's 20. You can develop this guy a little more. I mean, Ron says J.J. has no chance, and I'm never going to say that J.J. McCarthy has no chance at anything. I like I, somebody could tell me that he, he has no chance of being a Major League Baseball player, and I'm not going to say I agree with it. Because with that guy, he's one of those guys that we all grew up with. Right. He's great at everything. Right. Right? That's right. Great at everything. You want to play him in ping pong, you're going to get your brains beat in. You want to play him in basketball, he's going to hand you your tail. You want to play him in anything else, he's going to win. That's right. He's that kind of guy. Right. That's so, right. you know, he's that kind of guy. We got Brian Billick with us? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Here, We're waiting on uh, Coach Billick here uh, any second now. The, fi the final thing I'm going to say, and people are going to, they're going to hammer me, about the take about J.J. McCarthy, if he turns out to be. If I'm putting the benchmark at what the other second and third round picks are, like an Aiden O'Connell, I like my chances of, of being right more than saying he's just going to be a complete bum. Yep. Like, I think if we're, we're comparing him to the guys that he's drafted around, that's the Aiden O'Connells of the world, the Davis Mills of the world. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying if you're going to But he it. might be Patrick Mahomes. I, I you like just it. don't know. I like it that he's, he's going to be I'll better have the than un, I'll have the under on J.J. McCarthy <laughs> being Patrick Mahomes. I'll take the under on that one. I'm just saying, like, if, if the benchmark is the Aiden O'Connells of the world. But why are you wasting the a will, pick? My, I don't get why you waste a pick on it. I don't, people I, draft I just don't in understand. the third round. Sometimes you just get a guy in the third round like that. I don't – okay. All right. Okay. Case, how are we doing? We're doing good. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Are you good? Is Brian ready to go? Yeah, he's ready. All right. Let's get to our main man, <laughs> former Super Bowl winning head coach. He knows what this is all about. And that is our, our buddy Brian Billick, who I think is uh, coaching this week. He's been doing this for quite some time. Is he there? I don't see him for there. There he is. Brian, where are you, if anywhere? I'm, I'm in Orlando, uh, coaching the Hula Bowl. I've uh, been doing this my third year. Really enjoy it. Mike Smith and I are the coaches. Um, I really enjoy this because our roster is full of the guys that are going to be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth undrafted free agents. These kids uh, need this game. So they're very, very, very willing, very uh, anxious to, to do good. And uh, we're about to hit the practice field here in about an hour. You know, I'm curious when you say the name Mike Smith, he's your brother-in-law. You're married to sisters. You and I called a number of their games when he was a head coach. I mean, his, his, his first five years as a head coach in the league were off the yeah. charts, winning 
almost every single week. Divisional championships, took a team to the Super Bowl, had Kyle Shanahan as his offensive court. I mean, he had all these things going on. He's never gotten another job. How, how do you explain that with all of the guys that are getting hired? And I would even lump you into this to some degree, even though your success was even greater than his and you did it for longer and you won a Super Bowl. I mean, when some of these teams are looking around and they're going out and they're hiring a, you know, a 32-year-old guy who's never called plays, whether it's offense or defense, and he's a quarterback's coach at this place or that place, why aren't they at least looking at the Brian Billings or the Mike Smiths of the world? Well, they're not looking at me because I'm old and over the hill. And, and, <laughs> and, and quite frankly, you can't pay me enough to get off the golf course. Um, Mike, and Mike's an outstanding coach. Uh, he actually went back. He coordinated in Tampa uh, briefly uh, afterwards. But I, I think you just summed it up. You know, it's, it's in the new coaching go-round now. They're going to do their due diligence and, and find, you know, whoever had lunch with uh, Sean McVay or, or, or Kyle Shanahan is going to get a head job. I mean, that's what they're looking for right now uh, is the young guy to come in and do because those kind of guys have been, you know, the Matt LaFleurs and, and McDonald's. They've been very successful. So that's that's what the league's looking for right now. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you, we were talking a little bit about J.J. McCarthy, um, the quarterback at Michigan. Goes 27-1. and one. Uh, They only asked him five times during a 15-game schedule this year to throw the ball more than 20 times in a game. Uh, he's 27-1. and one. He's won two straight Big Ten titles, now a national championship. We, we allude to frequently one of the chapters in, in one of your books talking about, you know, a first-round draft of a quarterback. It's a 50-50 split proposition kind of thing. When you look at J.J. McCarthy, uh, and he has a decision to make. He can come back to college next year if he wants to. Does he look like a guy that you take a flyer on as a quarterback if you're, if you're a team in the NFL? Yeah, because he certainly shows all the elements. Now, the question becomes, and you alluded to it, is he a is he another Joe Burrow that if you were in a system where he's throwing the ball 40 times, he, he could exhibit that? Or is he another Mac Jones, a guy coming from a, a high program, surrounded by great talent? Uh, you, you know, so you don't know. That, that That's the tough choice. Uh, and like we said, and like you alluded to, you take him in a first round, it's a 50-50 crapshoot. Now, after that, yeah, is he clearly worth a second, third-round pick? No question. And listening to you guys a little bit earlier, you know, Ron Wolf was brilliant. And, and Ron Wolf obviously, is the guy that got Brett Favre and, and has, of any general manager over the last 30 years, is the one guy that consistently was able to find guys, particularly in the later rounds. And he was committed to it, even though they had a Brett Favre, then eventually an Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to take a guy in the third, fourth, fifth round every year because, one, if I hit on a guy – then all of a sudden I can get trade material. And the list that he did that with is, is, is more than competent. Uh, and who knows, maybe I hit on a guy that, uh, that, that can step in and go. So, yeah, um, I, I haven't seen enough of McCarthy. He certainly looks like he's the complete package. But is he a guy, that, like you say, if you give it to him 40, 45 times, he can deliver at that level? No reason to think that he can't. More so the concern is he comes from a program, like I said, like a Mac Jones, where he's in front of maybe the best offensive line in football, handing off to one of the best running backs in football, throwing an outstanding group of receivers, has great defense. That's, that, that's a hard question. Okay. Now, Jim Harbaugh, uh, he, he's, he's, he's hit the top of the mountain now collegiately at his alma mater, won the national championship. He's been to a Super Bowl, not won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Uh, we don't know what the NCAA investigation is going to turn up or not turn up. 
End of story. You think Jim Harbaugh is back in Michigan next year if you had a crystal ball, or do you think he's back in the NFL? You know, I, I don't know. I would say probably the NFL. Someone's willing to back up the Brinks truck and say, how much of this do you need to come with absolute total control of the organization? Um, you know, he, he loves being at Michigan. He loves coaching. Um, but there's got to be a part of him, too, that says, how many of these am I going to do? You know, how, how, how many times do I do this? Notwithstanding come to some of the things with the NCAA, do I just step out of that fray? Because it's going to carry over for the next couple of years. And, you know, he could make the case, look, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a distraction to Michigan. He's done an unbelievable job. He delivered a promise, put together a hell of an organization, uh, and, and won a championship. Part The competitor in him, since, you know, the NFL, though he did very, very well there, did I can see there's a part of him that would say, nah, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to take the mega bucks and, and, uh, uh, and, and more importantly, come into the organization where clearly he will have absolute and total control. Okay. Uh, playoffs coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, for me, I, I find the Lions-Rams um, game highly intriguing because of Matthew Stafford coming back there. I think the Cleveland at Houston game is very intriguing. They're all great matchups. But is, is there one or two games that you look at, maybe they're the same two, maybe they're a different two, that you look at and you say, oh, man, this is this is a can't-miss watch here? Yeah, they're all good, uh, simply because I think clearly the, the number one seeds, uh, the number one seeds are viable. You know, they're, they're deserving the number one seeds. And from the point outside of them, you go down through the AFC, I think it's a scramble. I think you could make a strong case for virtually everybody in the playoffs as being a, a viable challenge to the number one seeds. We talked about before, Cleveland's the most intriguing team to me because I think they're the best defense in the league right now. Joe Flacco, let's remember, Joe Flacco's got the pedigree. He took the Ravens to a Super Bowl and won it on a year that so year, but got into the playoffs and had an 11 run or a four game run. They had to play all the games 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So they've got the talent and they've got the defense. Plus, they're a team, they'll go into Baltimore. Then, you know, they've been there so many times, they know what that is compared to other teams that have good. So, I think Cleveland in particular is the most intriguing team to me that could really challenge Baltimore. In the NFC, it's hard. Boy, the way they played the last month, but at some point, does Philadelphia wake up? Do you pull on that tiger's tail one too too many times, and they wake up, and and boom, you go. Uh, They're they're going to be for real. Dallas at home seems to be unbeatable, but can they take that on the road to San Francisco? So there's uh, I love the field and the wild card because I think all of them are viable. When you and you've had teams like this that on paper look like they're very talented teams, but for some reason something or some things plural is missing. If you're Sirianni in Philadelphia right now, I mean the wheels have fallen off this team uh, over the final month of the season. Uh, you know, four, five weeks ago they, they're the number one seed in the playoffs, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're backing in as a wild card and having to open on the road. I think it's a very winnable game in Tampa Bay. It's also a losable game in Tampa Bay. What do you say to your team now if you're Sirianni? 
Well, you've got to you've got to go back and draw out the instances when you were playing well and show it to the team. Going, guys, look, we we've done all these things. We've we've protected. We've run the ball. We've made the verticals. We've tackled well. You know, you show them. Okay, we have done all these things. So it's not like I'm asking you to do something that we haven't shown we can do. To remind them, we are this capable. Now we got to step up. I, I don't know. To me, the biggest thing there is defensively. They, yeah. they are uh, that's just disappointment. They just they can't stop anybody, and, and I don't know that they have any confidence in it. And, and I think it's effective defense. Where before they had to play pretty decent defense, chew up the clock with their ring, make plays down the field. Jalen Hurts, good combination. Now defense can't stop anybody. So now they're in a mode where you know we gotta we gotta get into a track meet every week, and that's not who they are. All right, my friend. Well, uh, good luck at the uh, the Hula Bowl, and, uh, and enjoy the time coaching again. Tell Mike we said hello. Miss seeing him. Good man, and uh, and all the best, my friend. Happy New Year to you, Coach. You as well. All right, Brian Billick, Super Bowl winning head coach for the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win it all again, boys. You do. I do. I think they're going to win it all again. It'll be the second one for John Harbaugh. The Harbaugh brothers winning it in the same year. Wouldn't that be something? That would be something. Lamar Jackson. I think it's the first time that will have ever happened. I would say. What would Lamar Jackson need to do for the naysayers to stop talking about his postseason credentials? Does he have to win the Super Bowl? Or can, it no. sim- or can it simply be just get to the AFC Championship game or win the AFC if Championship If he gets to the AFC Championship game, he's fine. That's if, only one win. If, if, you, if you lose in, in your first game, though, I'll say that. It, it certainly doesn't help. But, I mean, the AFC Championship game is only one win. That'd only be one win for Lamar. That's true. He needs, but he, he needs to just play good. Like, I don't even care if he lo- – I, I don't think I care if he loses and uh, he plays well. Because then it would be a team. It would be a team loss, not necessarily on Lamar. I, I mean, hard, it's all. It's all about what actually happens in the game. Here's why I, I have a hard time believing that the Ravens lose when Lamar Jackson plays well. I have a hard yeah, time. Here's right, where I, here's I where I disagree with you, Casey. Reed just went on a 10 minute spiel about how JJ McCarthy's a winner and the guy doesn't throw four passes in the games. If Lamar Jackson has a great game, the world's best game, he'll be still classified as a loser by some. Not a winner. So I think if you win the game, get to the AFC Championship game. The, it, by the way, he's going to win an MVP, probably unanimous. He'll be the unanimous first guy to ever win two unanimous MVPs. So, I, I no, I, I would say he has to win the game. As good as he can play. You know, which win. brings me to uh, a topic that we did not get into yesterday, which I said to myself, wow, when I heard this, were, were the comments made by Jerry Jones regarding Mike McCarthy. Now, he was asked the question about McCarthy and the long haul and all this kind of stuff. And if you believe what you read, Jerry Jones has always had this incredible infatuation with Bill Belichick. Now, remember, this is the same guy now, Jerry Jones, who had the same kind of infatuation with Bill Parcells. For those not old enough to remember, Parcells, you know, he didn't win as many Super Bowls as Belichick, but he was regarded as the guy right right the guy winning super bowls for the giants and all that kind of stuff and when asked yesterday i'm paraphrasing roughly that you know we evaluate was the comment one game at a time now if i'm mike mccarthy i'm sitting there i may not say it to the the media or anybody 
But I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. We just had the kind of year we just had, NFC East champions. Uh, you take away two games from this year, and you could make a very, very solid argument that they're the best team in the NFL. Oh, yeah. If you take out two games they played this season. Now, I know you can't do that. But out of 17 games, to be really good in 15 of them is pretty doggone good. Right? That's right. And now to all of a sudden when they ask your owner, and that's the thing about Dallas, okay, that is so different than everywhere else. Not just about everywhere else. It's everywhere else. And Brian Billick and I used to talk about this all the time. When you're the head coach with the Dallas Cowboys, at the end of every game that they play, the media rushes to talk to Jerry. They don't rush to talk to Mike McCarthy. When the Bengals play a game, Zach Taylor's the one sitting in the press conference. It ain't Mike Brown, right? That's right. Okay? Steve Bashotti is not sitting there when the Ravens play. Okay? It's John Harbaugh. And you could go right down the line. Every team in the NFL except for Dallas. Jerry Jones does his own radio show during the week. And it is the most listened to segment on the radio in the United States of America by market, as far as market share, when he's on whatever day during the week it is in Dallas on that morning show. So Jerry's the guy, whether you like him or hate him. And when he makes a comment like that, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm like, well, what does that mean if we lost our first playoff game at home? You're going to run Mike McCarthy? Is, is Mike McCarthy the Dusty Baker of the NFL? Where well, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. He's, he's won everywhere he's gone almost significantly, just like Dusty did. But there's always this lingering about coming around and being like, man, I think we can do better. Man, I, th I, think, I think we should get rid of Mike. I think we should get rid of McCarthy. Mike McCarthy has a better winning – has almost the exact same winning percentage as a coach as Andy Reid. And he doesn't get near – like if I told you to rattle off the 10 top, top 10 coaches in the NFL – Mike McCarthy's not coming out of your mouth until like the eighth or ninth guy, and he might not come out at all. So, why why is that? Why, why is that? Is good question. I just feel like when you watch Mike McCarthy coach, and again, it could be just a dumb fan, but it seems like he constantly makes the wrong decisions. It feels like he doesn't know when to call timeouts. <laughs> he's he's I, coached a team to win sixty two percent of the I games. understand, I understand, but it's just dumb fan brain, and, and you and you hear you hear it with Jerry Jones. He said, we'll see. Each game, we'll see. We'll see what he does. Because you can always blow up. And it also, it's also when you have, the, have the, um, uh, the history of the Cowboys on your back, when you have all the pomp and circumstance that they have, when you don't live up to expectations, and their expectation is the Super Bowl. Jerry Jones doesn't get out of bed for less than a Super Bowl, even though he hasn't won it in God knows how long. Yep. But that's, that is the expectation. So if you continue to have seasons like this – where you lose three games, four games, five games, and you get a two-seed every year, and you still don't execute in the playoffs, you still have to look at that. Marvin Lewis built the Bengals back up from the ground up, but he could never win in the postseason. Yep. You have, that, 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 that is a part of it. Mike McCarthy has coached in the NFL the same amount of years as Mike Tomlin, the same amount of years as John Harbaugh. He has more 10-win seasons in both those games. Yep. 
And got, if I'm not mistaken, he has as many Super Bowl wins as each of those guys. Correct. Right? He's got a Super Bowl win. And still we're sitting here talking about Mike McCarthy like, does Dallas need to get a new guy? Well, we're not talking about him. His owners, his boss is talking about him. Mike, if Mike McCarthy... But that, followed, that, that follows him wherever. In if, Green Bay for years. If Mike McCarthy was the coach of the Panthers and he, would, and he was doing this, nobody's saying boo. Nobody's saying a word. He'd have that job for life. So it's just because he's... I think it's because it's the he's Cowboys. Coached, well, it, it also happened in Green Bay. That's right? also because he had arguably a, a top five quarterback in the history of the sport. I, 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 I think if you have the talent, if you have the... the the, the magic, the, the history of the Dallas Cowboys, all these things add up a little bit. Eventually, you have to prove it to win it, right? I, and I he, just, has, he hasn't proved it. He proved it once with Aaron Rodgers. Right. But you still have uh, uh, what he, Aaron Rodgers won, back, won back-to-back MVPs at age 35, 36. He was still unable to win a Super Bowl. I, I don't know. And when I see Mike McCarthy, I see Dusty Baker of the NFL. Okay. Well, McCarthy won the title much earlier. It took Dusty forever Correct. to finally get it. Dusty Correct. took all the different teams to the playoffs, and now Mike McCarthy's only coached two teams. He's taken both to the playoffs. And, you know, we'll see what happens once they get there. They clearly have been a better team at home, uh, the Cowboys have, than they have been on the road this year. And uh, they'll be playing at home this weekend. And it, it really, on paper, uh, – if Dallas were to lose to Green Bay, Green Bay is the youngest team in the National Football League. They have a quarterback who it's his first year starting. And Dak Prescott, you've got a five, six, seven-year guy there, right? Even though he hadn't delivered the goods in the postseason, it's still Dak Prescott. He's a top five, top seven quarterback in the league. Uh, Dallas's defense, leaky late, but pretty doggone good. Uh, and Green Bay's defense is awful. Uh, they're just terrible. Uh, they played the Bears last week, so, you, you know, put a lot of stock in that. Uh, and they did get after the quarterback a little bit. Maybe they're able to do that to Dak Prescott this week because, you know, even though this year he hasn't turned it over much, historically he's turned it over at very, very inopportune times. But, I mean, look, Casey, Dallas can't lose that game this week. No. It's Green Bay. And it ain't Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Right. I think uh, Dallas fans will have a uh, a riot if they lose against Green Bay again. <laughs> I mean, they, they lost uh, to Green Bay with the Des Bryant catch or not a catch. Lost to Green Bay with Dak Prescott his rookie year. They were to lose again at home. Not a good look. Not a good look for Mike McCarthy. Not a good look for, for the team in general. That's yeah. because I, it's expectations. I, if he goes over there and coaches the commanders, that's nobody's right. talking about this. But it's because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I, just think right. there's, I think there's some coaches that we always just label, label like slap this label on. Like, we're going to, like, <laughs> Zach Taylor, if he continues to win here in Cincinnati, we'll always have that lingering thing of, is Zach Taylor our coach? Should be our coach of the future. I think that there's no way in which Zach, Zach Taylor can can convince people in this city that he's gonna, even if he wins the Super Bowl two years later. If they're eight and eight, they're like, I don't know. Is it time to get rid of Zach Taylor? So I think there's just for some reason one, one way or another, it's just hard to convince people. It, it, and it has a lot to do with the way that maybe you you carry yourself, right? Yep. You Mike took McCarthy, the words right out of my mouth. It, Mike McCarthy, he he's not very flashy. Like, well, he's like, not at all flashy. Right, like he's just a guy who just shows up. Yep. Coaches football. I mean, he's, he a, he's a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania guy. His dad was a firefighter who owned a bar. Right. I mean, he's a Western Pennsylvania guy. Right. He's a regular guy. 
right. likable guy. Not you know, not slick suits and you know all this sort of thing. He doesn't show up on the sidelines with the aviators like Mike Tomlin. He's not from a historic coaching family, historic football family like John Harbaugh. He's I, I, well, I guess Andy Reid bucked that trend, but Andy Reid had to deal with it in a in Philadelphia. Oh boy, he got they wanted, killed. They he got fight, killed in Philadelphia. Wanted, they wanted to kill him. Now that's a tough city. Huh. So is Dallas. So is Green Bay. All these things. I can tell you one thing: if the the Green Bay Packers beat the Dallas Cowboys, Chatterbox Sports is going to be without a without a boss because both our bosses, Sean, who's a Dallas Cowboys fan, Trace, who's a Green Bay Packers fan. They're going on a vacation together. They're going to watch that game together. Oh, yeah. They're going to be on a boat. And I'll tell you right now, if Green Bay beats Dallas, Trace is going to be insufferable, and, and Sean just might as well just throw that boy overboard. Throw out the <laughs> – throw – have the life vest operator <laughs> on alert. It's going to be – it's going to be – we're going to be without a boss here if Green that Bay wins. Brilliant. That would be brilliant. And, and, and you know what? Now there's some of this stuff about Sirianni in Philadelphia. I, I just don't understand. And yeah, really, I can get as impatient as people. I mean, my kids would tell you. But, man, I, I, this environment in sports, whether, you know, we're looking at it collegiately, locally, Ryan Day, right? He's lost seven games in six years or whatever, right? right. And all of a sudden, people want to run him out of town because you, you've lost three in a row to Michigan. You look at the Mike McCarthy's of the world, Sirianni. You look and you just say to yourself, you always ask yourself, okay, if you want to make a change, that's fine. But who are you going to replace that person with and what are you getting? You made the reference earlier today. Now, the guys won a national championship. You can never take that away from Jimbo Fisher. Right. Right. But, I mean, you know, you, you go out and you pay somebody a gazillion dollars and you think this is going to be the guy that was better than your guy. You know, I used to say that about Marty Schottenheimer, who, God rest his soul, that guy was one of the greatest football coaches that ever walked the face of the earth. Cleveland, Kansas City, the Chargers, all he did was win, 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 but he never won the Super Bowl. And that's the first thing people think of when they think of Marty Schottenheimer. This guy was a phenomenal football coach. You would have taken him to be your head coach for 25 years in any NFL city today outside of New England. Any of them. No doubt. And, and couldn't get him out of town fast enough because he didn't win Super Bowls. Here's the thing about Philly that I think I've realized, mm. Tom. We, we, we've talked about Philly a couple times in this segment. I think the only way that you can win in Philly, the only way that you can get the fans on your side, is if you match the energy of Philly fans. That's right. Like Charlie Manuel, beloved, beloved in Philadelphia, and he won he won them a World Series. But he was, you know, he's a he's a gruff, grizzled guy, That's like right. Phil, like Philadelphia. If you don't have the same energy as Philly, if you don't have the same energy as New York, and you're going to be a coach in New York, you're not going to be liked very much. Yep. You got you got to win, and you got to win a lot, or else you're you're out the door. Yep. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, we we keep getting a lot of uh, uh, questions in here about why we're not talking about the rent. Do you guys want to talk about the Reds? You know I don't. I mean, you got the NFL playoffs getting ready to start. We just had the college football national championship game. You have coaching <laughs> vacancies all over the NFL. Right? Right. Now, I know it's the Reds. It's our hometown team. I understand that. But what is it we're going to talk about the Reds today as we sit here on January 
ninth <laughs> of our Lord 2004. What are we going to talk about that we can't talk about from now until the end of March when the season begins? I mean, I'm not the, the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but can somebody help me with this? Elliot, nobody's more hardcore about the Reds than you. Am I missing something here? No, I don't think. What lingering questions are there about the Reds? I don't think there's many, unfortunately. I think the bigger questions are, why haven't the Cubs spent a single dollar on a free agent? That's a legitimate question. Now, there is a topic that's a little, but maybe people around here don't want to hear about it. We know the Reds have done a phenomenal job going out and spending money. We're the the best signing in in the Central this year, this offseason. Yeah, they got a head coach. Craig Council. What are you talking about? Manager. We're going to get Joey Votto here soon. He's going to be our three-hole. He's going to hit 45 home runs over the 355 porch in right field. Go Reds. Marty Brenneman will be here tomorrow. So for those of you waiting for Reds talk, you can rest assured we'll be talking about that. The Joey Votto thing is, uh, I have to say, I, I, like many of you, I find it very interesting to see ultimately what's going to happen here. I don't think he'll sign. Do you think he signs with somebody else? I don't think he signs with anybody. Um, Someone will give him a contract. Somebody will give him a contract, no but I, I but I have to. This is where we're really going to find. You know, and look, he has no control over this part of it, so you can't blame him. But if he gets a chance to go to a legitimate championship contending team, now the Reds have already made it clear to Votto that look, we can't give you what it is you want, and that is to get regular playing time. That's what he wants. And look, just like we are talking about with J.J. McCarthy, and at a far greater level, Joey Votto, for his accomplishments as a professional athlete, one of the all-time greats, is, you know, he, if he says that he doesn't think he's done playing yet and that baseball will prove to him if he's done playing yet, but he feels like if he's healthy again, which he wasn't this past year or the year before, that he still has some good baseball left in him. That's his prerogative. God bless him. Good for him. Um, It'll be interesting to see if there's a team out there that is a bona fide contender, and you can believe the Reds are a bona fide contender. Um, You can make arguments on both sides. Uh, When you look at their division, there's no world beater for sure in there, not even close to a world beater in there. Everybody has their pluses, and certainly everybody has their minuses. But I'm talking about a legitimate contender here now, okay? And and there might only be a, a little more than a handful of them out there. You know, would he want to go to a team where, okay, you say to yourself, ah, I'm not going to get that playing time that I hope for, but, man, I'd love to win a ring. Or you sign with somebody like, I know Toronto was good last year. I, I don't know if they're a contending team or not. I really don't. Uh, their division's not great either. They've got some good teams. They've got teams that spend some money, but the Yankees certainly aren't world beaters. Boston is, is a mess. Uh, Baltimore had a good year last year, but – We'll see this year. I think he's just got Juan Soto. Uh, or, yeah, they did. But they still, they got issues. I mean, they, they didn't hit all year long. And quite frankly, Soto didn't hit all year long last year. I mean, he gets some bombs. But, I mean, would he hit 210, 220 last year? Juan Soto certainly hit better than 210, 220. I'll pull it up. Pull it up. Reed is the biggest Juan Soto fan. I think Juan Soto's going to be a Hall of Famer, so, no doubt. Well, I, I, no I'm doubt not disputing that. Tampa Bay Rays will be he batted, good. He Tampa hit, Bay Rays will be good. Juan Soto batted 275 with a 410 on base percentage and a 519. Oh, that's a good year. That's a really good year. Came finished six in MVP voting, was an all-star okay. and silver slugger. Okay. All right. So, okay, they got him coming over, but they have major offensive questions. Yep. John Carlos Stanton, Judge was Stanton. not the same guys last year. I mean, they, they, they got some issues. I mean, they fired their hitting coach halfway through the year, and they brought in Sean Casey from the television studio. 
to take the job. <laughs> and even he left at the end of the year. So anyway, long story short here is, we're back to Votto more importantly, is, you know, is it more important for him to sign with a team, say, like Pittsburgh, where he can go get maybe a one-year deal, prove he's healthy again, and then latch on to somebody who's better and may a little bit more money. He doesn't need the money, but you know where I'm getting yeah. at here, right? It may come down to that. And I don't know that if I would totally rule it out yet. You tell me, Elliot, you're the big Reds guy. I would not rule out the Reds yet. I would rule them out. You would. I would rule them out, unfortunately. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense for Joey Votto. To, I, I don't know where he would play. We already, we're, we're already stacked to the gills and infielders. Uh, and Condelario is going to probably sub in and out of first base whenever uh, CES doesn't want to play or if he's struggling or what, what have you. There's, there's no room for Joey Votto. I don't think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a dollar sign that makes sense for him to, to be on this team. I would love him. I want Joey Votto to be a red, especially for this little run we're about to have this, this couple year stretch here. So if, but if he doesn't go there, I'd like him to go to the Dodgers. The Dodgers have, they give money out like candy. So if they want to give him a 10 million for him to play 10 games, I'd love to see him try to win a world series. I, I want the best for Joey Votto. I think it would be fun for him to compete. Was it, wasn't part of the, the reason that he left is because he, he disagreed with his role on the yes, team? Yes. He wanted to have everyday playing time? Yes. And he won't get that anywhere for any contending team. That's why I, that's, that's why I said I don't think it'll be – Well, the only, the only team, if they're going to replace this, one player for another who were almost identical situations last year would be Toronto and Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt got a lot of playing time last year. Yeah, Brandon Belt's a good player. And he left-handed hitter, just like Votto – Brandon's an underrated player. Yes, he's been an underrated player for a long, long time, and he had a pretty good year last year, but they're not bringing him back next year, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and that's his hometown. I don't think there's any way in God's earth, no way in God's earth, that Votto retires. I agree. No chance. None. Too much pride. Well, yeah, and, and ego, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, that'd no, be ego to be great. Uh, and, 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 and drive and commitment. I mean, you know he's busting his tail more than anybody who's about to put on a major league uniform next year, even though he doesn't know what uniform that might be. Nobody's busting their tail to get ready more than Votto is right now for the 2024 season. Right. So what do you think it, it comes down? Because you and I both agree that he, he wants to play. And someone will give him a contract because he's Joey Votto. That's, That's right. That's just how the things work. Like, you hear Joey Votto, you're like, maybe he's still got a little, little left in the tank. So what do you think's more likely? Because, once again, the reason he didn't, didn't stay here, he disagreed with his role on the team. What do you think's more likely? He goes to a team because he could go to a, a team that's not going to compete and play every day. Or do you think he swallows his pride and says, I'm not an everyday player anymore for a contending team, but I want to go contend? And I'll take a I'll take a, a flyer on the Blue Jays or or some team in the American League, some team in the National League that thinks they're playoff contenders, thinks that they're championship contenders, and I'll get my 150, 200 at bats for this year, play a third of the time. What do you think is more likely? Think he, he goes and plays somewhere where he can play every day? Because once again, that's why he left. Or do you think he swallows his pride and wants to go compete? Well, the the, the thing is, is that, and it's not dodging your question. I, I think one more component you can add to that is. I, we, we will never know if the Reds, because Votto had a straight-up no-trade clause contract. If the Reds wanted to trade him during that 10-year deal, they would have to go to him and he would have to accept it. 
we will never know until maybe, you know, who knows, 10 years from now, five right. years from whatever, if there ever was a scenario where, you know, after one of Votto's really good years, say two years ago, right, where he had only two years left on a deal, he was coming off hitting, what, 35, 36 home runs, whatever right. it was, yep. and, and um, you know, the Reds it just quietly sort of sniffed around because they had two years at $50 million they owed him. And they knew they weren't going anywhere. It's a total gut job, rebuild deal, blah, yep. blah, blah, right? We'll never know if the team approached him and asked him, hey, what would you think if we sent you to Toronto? Because they felt like they were contending. And they were contending last couple of years. What if we sent you to the Yankees? They're contending every year. What if we sent you to fill in the blank, a contending team? We'll never know. If, if Vado, who has clearly said all along that he wanted to start and end his career with the Cincinnati Reds and play for only one team, then that is every player's dream that comes to the big leagues is to play your entire career like Johnny Bench did. Rose didn't do it. Morgan didn't do it. Concepcion did it. Concepcion, Tony Perez didn't do it. Concepcion and Bench are the only two guys of the big red machine that spent their entire careers in a red uniform. Barry Larkin was another. So, you know, was that possibility ever there where Votto could have said, you know what, I want to go win a ring. In a different sort of way, this might be the same sort of thing he's facing, is do I want to go win a <coughs> ring, try to win a ring, with a bona fide contender, even though the role may not be what I hoped it would be when I left the Reds? Or... Do I want to go sign a one-year deal for the Pirates and play every day? I, zero chance of winning, even getting to the postseason. I would, I, don't, I would, don't sleep on the Pirates. I would bet, well, they suck, and they always will. Uh, the Reds have been worse over the last 10 years, but yeah, go on. Y y sure. The, I, I, would, I would say the entire world would agree the Reds franchise as a whole has been better than the uh, Pirates. But to each their own, they've been better over the past 20 years, whatever. Um, Joey Votto is not going to play for the Athletics. He's not going to play for the Pirates. He's not going to play for any bum team that is uncompetitive. He's not going to the Rockies. I do think there is a chance he signs with a big team that has, gives him an opportunity to win a World Series. That would certainly certainly cement uh, his, his Hall of Fame legacy. If there was any a shred of a doubt in anybody's mind that he wasn't a Hall of Famer, winning a World Series would certainly cement it. I do think that there I, – I, again – 0.000% chance that he goes somewhere to play 162 games for the 40-win athletics. Zero. No chance. Okay. If he goes to anywhere, it would be the Blue Jays. It would be the Dodgers. It would be, it would be somewhere uh, that has a chance to compete for, uh, I don't know, a, a World Series, I guess. Okay. Have to be competitive. Tom, I don't know how they did that Jedi mind trick, but they asked us to talk about the Reds. You're like, what are we going to talk about with the Reds? And here we are, 10, 15 minutes later. They, they got us to talk about the Reds. It is. They did a they great did job. Um, we've got uh, a big league basketball game here in town. Big for league a basketball game. Oh, my God. At least a big league basketball game that involves the UC Bearcats. That's right. Big time game. It's only the second conference game of the year, but it is of historical note for sure. The game may not look like that once they finish it, but it is the first ever Big 12 conference game here in Cincinnati for UC. They could not have asked West Miller's team for a better inaugural game in the Big 12. They go against another team. It was its first game in the Big 12 in BYU, right? You're walking into yep. a man's league now. I mean, you're walking into a man's league. 
where everybody is good, some are great. Every single game, it's going to be somebody that's really good. They go on the road. They beat number 12 BYU. They outscore them 47 to 29, I think it was, in the second half. Yep. Uh, they looked great. Tonight, Texas comes to town. Ranked 25th, even though, uh, you know, like you said earlier, Elliot, they, they, they really haven't beaten anybody. I mean, you know, they, 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 they're okay. They're 11-3. and three. Okay, 25 means you, you're in the top 25, but you're right on the brink of falling. They lose tonight, yeah. they're out. And maybe UC gets in if they win tonight. Who knows? But, um, you know, in the old days, it used to be you knew every single game. The number here in Cincinnati was not just 513 area code. It was 13,176. That is capacity at Fifth Third Arena. And that was the listed attendance for every game. Every game. Didn't matter if they were playing Monmouth or they were playing Memphis or they were playing Indiana or whoever it was. That was the attendance for every UC basketball game. Now, since they've reconfigured it, I don't know if that 13,176 is still the same. That's what it used to be. This has got to be a sellout tonight. It's going to be. It it's has going, to be. It's going to be a sellout, I promise you. I mean, with the First number of the UC Dungeons. alumni in this town, okay, and it's the biggest game they have played at home in I don't know how long. I mean, really. They might have had Houston or some of these teams come in the last couple of years ranked in the top five, whatever. But, but, but UC wasn't going to beat them, right? Well, now you got a legitimate chance to win this game tonight. You do. And you have to take advantage of it. I don't, I don't think Texas is the world's best team. They have three guys that are legitimate superstars, I'd say. They're, they're, they're damn good. Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell, and, uh, and Max Asmus are, are, very, are very, very, very good. If you can shut them down, they li literally have no chance. You saw it against BYU. If you can shut down the guy that made nine threes in the first half, you're going to win the game. If you can somewhat get these guys, again, they're guards – uh, they're not bad from three-point land. So if you can shut them down, they have zero, they have zero chance. They, when they played Texas Tech, they lost to Texas Tech. Uh, Acemas had 18, Hunter had 20, Mitchell had 16. Outside of that, their team had a combined 13 points. They had a combined 13 points from the bench in a loss against Texas Tech. So if you can shut down the big three, you're going to win this game and probably win it by a lot, which might be UC covering that five-and-a-half-point spread. You're going to need Victor Locken to step up. He did it big time against, and again, second half. UC's a second-half team. Everybody knows that. Uh, if, if he's able to step up here, play down low, be the big man that I think he can be, be the power forward that I think he can be. Aziz is a baller. Aziz can get to the free-throw line. He can make free-throws. By the way, this UC, this UC team being able to make free-throws, it's very fun. They're, not still, they're still not the world's best free-throw shooting team, but I still feel confident when most of these guys get up. John Newman's been a beast. It, it, beat Texas. Step on their throat early, please. I, I, I'm, tired, I'm tired of starting games with 15 turnovers. Tom, they had 15 turnovers in the first half against BYU. 15. If you can cut the turnovers down by half, yep. by half, yep. you're going to win this game. You're going to win the game. So, I, listen, if there was ever, if there was ever going to be – uh, I, I guess I can't really say an upset because they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. But if there was ever going to be a game where UC can win uh, that they weren't supposed to, again, five-and-a-half-point favorites, it would be this one. 
I mean, look at these next five games. Brutal. I mean, if not you as hard like Xavier's. college basketball, even if you're not a UC fan, you can be a common Xavier fan like like as Reed we, is. We are the commoners. But, I mean, yeah. Um, number 25, Texas, here tonight. Saturday, they go to number 14, Baylor. National champs two years ago. Yeah. TCU, who just lost at Kansas. TCU's lost three games all year long. They come to UC next Tuesday night. Three days later, Oklahoma, ranked number nine in the country, comes to town. And then UC goes to number three, Kansas. Now, that is big-time college basketball. That's big-time. And are the UC Bearcats, yay or nay? Casey, are they ready for prime time? Does one game all of a sudden make you a believer? Because it was only four games ago. We watched them down at um, Heritage Bank Arena get absolutely massacred by Dayton. Uh, I do think that the game versus BYU, it, it did a lot to their stock. And I think it's a little bit of too much of a, a overreaction. I think it'll correct itself. I don't think, though, that Texas... I think it's going to be a close game against Texas. I don't think it's this five-and-a-half-point spread that they've got out there at Vegas. Um, I think it's more of a, a close match than most people want to realize, okay. especially for the Texas fans who are just all over this uh, plus five-and-a-half points that they've got. Um, I'm just looking at the analytics here, and Kim Palm really loves UC, really loves UC. They think they've got the 25th best defense efficiency rating and basketball right now. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with Aziz and, and, uh, and what presence that they got there down at the bucket. Yeah. But just from what we saw with BYU and how they changed in the second half, being able to shut down, I don't remember the guy's name that the three point shooter, they completely shut them down. That gives me a little hope for this, this game tonight. I think if they were able to do something very similar and just shut down their highest, uh, their score, the Texas uh, Max Abam. How do you say his name? I don't know how to pronounce that that guy's last name. I think it's Asmus, believe I believe. Asmus. Asmus. The B silent. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, if they can shut him down, then they have a really good chance of winning this ball game. They have three players. They have three yeah. players. That's it. By the so, way, tickets for this for this UC game, uh, lowest ticket I can find is thirty five bucks. Lowest ticket for Xavier is seven against UConn tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah. Number four. In Listen, the Tom, you asked. Supply and demand. Yeah, that's you right. asked. You asked Casey, are the Bearcats ready for the prime time? For prime time, are they ready for prime time? And we know that answer. No, no, they're not, Tom. Keep in mind. Yeah. They, keep in mind, they just beat BYU number twelve in the nation on the road. At Listen, yeah, you guys can keep talking about how tough UC's schedule is. Xavier's already played the number one team in the country. Yep. Lost. Number two team in the country. Yep. Lost. They're going to play the number four team in the country tomorrow. They are going to lose. In a couple weeks, they'll play the number four team in the country again. I yeah. mean, you guys can talk about how hard UC schedule is. It just sounds like you guys are installing excuses for what's otherwise going to be a disappointing season. UC, you could, this line is five and a half points. I'm a better gambler than to know to take Texas's money line. That's, a, that's the biggest trap of all time. But listen, I'm a mouse. I see a cheese on a little plate. I go over there, I, I sniff it out, I take a bite, and sometimes it clamps down. Sometimes I sneak away. I think I'm going to sneak away. I'm going to take Texas' money line because this is going to be a blow. Let me ask you, Reed. If you see were to win this game, would that shut you up? No. Okay. I'll just keep talking again. Which we'll do one, it again which, tomorrow. We'll do which, it again tomorrow. Which one would shut you up? I think if it was Baylor, I think there would be a conversation. Baylor? There. 
if they were to, if they were to win the next two play games, a real team like Providence. <laughs> Providence. It's all a bit. God. That's a joke. It's all a bit, Tom. I, I think we know that. But I think you are being serious when you say that UC is not going to win this game tonight. I think you are being serious when you say that. The rest yeah, of it's listen, a bit. Tom, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. The, the, like I said. The rest of it is a tired bit. Every, but I do believe you mean what you say sincerely when you think UC is not ready for prime time. And you know what? There are a lot of people out there that would agree that they played well at BYU, but when they played a couple of other decent teams this year, they stunk it up. Xavier, Dayton, they did. Wes Miller has been the head coach of UC for what feels like for Bearcats fans decades because nothing's happened. But that was his most impressive win was BYU. So they come home against a team they're favored by five and a half points. You think they're going to show up? I don't think so, Tom. I don't think so. I don't listen. I'm. I, why do you even engage? Now, now, now we, now, we, now we, there we go it. over the line again. Reed, he, he, you know, he's like Pacino. He keeps getting sucked back. That's right. You know? That's right. Just when they pull, think about pull me back in. That's right. I, I like I said, I've gambled for a few years now, and everything in everything in my gambling knowledge tells me to take UC five and a half points playing a ranked team. Um, they're at home. Take them. They're going to dominate this game. It's a trap, but I'm going to fall right into it. I'm going to put a lot of money on Texas' money line, and I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a fantastic Tuesday night, Tom. A fantastic okay. Tuesday night. Are you wagering the game tonight, Elliot? Yes. You're taking UC and giving five and a half? That's right. You're taking money line in Texas, or are you taking the points in Texas? You're too much of a coward to take the points. The points? Or the, the money line. I'm taking the money line. No, you're a coward. I'm taking the money line. Are you kidding me? You're going to take the points. I'm going to do them both. You're going to do them both. How about you, Casey? And maybe UC's total uh, team under. I'm probably going to take – if I were to have to choose for UC's uh, spread or money line, I'm taking the money line for UC. I'm too much of a coward to do the points. Okay. Uh, I would take Texas uh, spread and uh, call it a day. Okay. And, Lindsay, you are a UC Bearcat student. Do you get free tickets to basketball games? Student tickets, yeah. You do. Mm -hmm. Are you going tonight? Tonight, me and my friends are talking about it. I'm not 100% sure if we're going yet or not. Okay. Depends, but I might be. Are you able to walk from where you are mm -hmm. to the arena? Yes. That's a nice setup. It is really nice. That's a very nice setup. That's a great arena. Phenomenal. Um, before we uh, get out of here today, gosh, there was just something on my mind I wanted to touch on very briefly, and obviously only have about five minutes. Casey, is there anything you'd like to touch on uh, before we go? I've got a cherry on top for when we're ready for that. All right, when we're ready for that. Can I, and I have, you know what we should have had as a cherry I, on top today? The comments made by Tom Izzo yesterday. What did Izzo say? About what, analytics. What did he say? It is the best. If you are an old school sort of soul, which clearly I am through and through, there is nothing better than Tom Izzo's post-game comments after losing to Northwestern the other night. Hmm. Did you see John Harbaugh's quote, Tom? Can I read you, John? Please. Love to hear. I love John, John Harbaugh. Not, not John. Jim Harbaugh. Jim. Jim okay. Harbaugh. Leader of Jim, men. Jim Harbaugh. He's a champion now. Champion. Officially a leader of men. National champion. Harbaugh. National champion. Never Jim take Harbaugh. that away from him. The Michigan Wolverines are national champions, Tom. I know that warms your heart. He said, someday, when they throw dirt on top of me, or if somebody is eulogizing me, if they would simply say he was a Michigan man, that's right. That would mean everything. That's his guy, Bo Schembechler. That was Bo's line. Michigan, Michigan man. man. That's where it comes from. Michigan man. That's when he ran off, um, when he ran off Bill Frieder 
during the end. You guys aren't old enough to remember this. And that was a line he used. Bill Frieder had led this Michigan team, right? Fab five. Old deal, right? That's right. And has him in the tournament. And all of a sudden, rumors about him having already accepted a job at Arizona State. He said, adios. D-U-N done. You're out of here. You're not a Michigan man. And that's when Steve Fisher took over as head coach of the Wolverines. That's right. The famous words of Bo Schembechler. He's not a Michigan man. I love the comment Harbaugh made last night where he said, now I can sit at the family table. Did you see that line? No. His father, Jack Harbaugh, Jack. longtime Division I coach, head coach and uh, uh, at, at Division I, Division II, very highest levels of college football. Uh, he has an FCS championship as a coach. John has a Super Bowl ring as a head coach. And Jim says, now I can feel comfortable sitting at the family table. Because I've joined them. How about that? It's big time. That's man. pretty amazing. Who's got it better than us? Did you used to tell? You used to tell uh, Luke and I did. He's like, who's got it better I than did. us? I did. When Harbaugh was coaching, and that story came out. If you were to ask my kids that question right now, they would know the answer. They'd say, who's got it better? Nobody. Than us? Nobody. All right, Casey. What do we got? All right. Is me... this tired or is this good? No, this is nothing's better than Izzo. No, this is good. I think you'll like this. It's someone's birthday today. Oh. It's Ocho's birthday today. It's my so, sister's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday to your to, sister. I just wanted to showcase uh, some of the, the highlights of Ocho's This is the guy that we all Death, grew up with. Love the taxes. receiver. And uh, yeah, it's his, it's his uh, I can't remember what birthday it is. 85 will always be open. I got a trivia question. It's a new year, same old question. How do you stop 85? How do you stop 85? I'm gonna give you your money's worth before I leave the day. Hey, come on. I want you right now. All right. That's why I need you. Stay right there. Come here. Rap that impress. Well, you're gonna kiss the baby today. Child, please. Let me get a child, please, on three. One, two, three. Child, please. You know what child, please mean. Like, if somebody come to you, if coach come to you and be like, man, did he cover you? You can just look at coach and be like, man, coach, child, please, because you really disrespecting me, right? If they stop me today, any any coverage, two-man, 55, cover two, man-to-man, -man, I will give you my game check. I know you can't cover. You too pretty. Right there, number two, you too pretty. <laughs> what you looking at? Huh? What you looking at? 240,000. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you are. Yeah, how's 35? Man, they all suck, man. Come on, you, you, this me. This no, me. I just want to know, how's 35? Horrible. You taking anything for the game? Yeah. Viagra. Come on, Bart, man, golly. We having a simple conversation. Hey, I'm not the bad guy. I love you. I love you. Hey, how'd you feel to throw to me? You see how there's nobody around me? This is how it is in the field of play also. <laughs> That was Ray. I thought I could hit him. I tried to blindside Ray. He ran me over. I asked you a trivia question before the game started. I still need that answer. 
That dude is the best. He's the best trash yes, talker ever. Gotta love him. But it's good stuff. Yeah. It is good stuff. And it's clean. It, right. Like, that's you know what I mean? I, I, how much of it is clean anymore? I mean, those guys know they're wearing a microphone, but I mean, that is great stuff. Well, like, we're so, some trash talk is like shots, like digs, where they say something about your family or yeah. something like that. Yeah. He was just literally, I'm better than you. That, that, that's all it was. And right. he's, he's, he's hard not to love. That's right. Like, he is, he's awesome. Chad Johnson is truly awesome. That dude is awesome. So, happy birthday to Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson. And your sister has a birthday. Yeah. My beloved sister turns 31 today. Katie Gross. 31. Best honor I've ever had was being her, her maid of honor at her wedding. You were her maid of honor? I was. Did you wear a dress? I did not. But I, st I stood on her side right next to her. That's nice. It was we've been best friends since we were kids. That is fantastic. I love my so, Katie, uh, happy birthday. Hope you have a great day today. Um, Coach Caskey's <laughs> show is later today. Yeah, it's at 530 today. That's right. Uh, but w w what was the promo that uh, Nick was doing about uh, the Red Phil Castellini. Show? Uh, Phil Castellini interview right after this. Oh, it's coming up now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Make sure you stick around for that. That was from Reds Fest when he sat down. That's right. With the president and CEO of your Cincinnati Reds. All Under right. Under the videos uh, tab. What's that? Under the videos tab. Okay. Uh, tomorrow, Marty Brenneman will join us, so we will have some baseball talk tomorrow. How much, I don't know. Uh, we need to start digging into uh, some of the coaching things. I think we, 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 we come up with buy or sell tomorrow. That's right. With yes. some of the coaches out yes. there. Okay? Yep. yep. Uh, and we will. Um, we didn't get to our picks today. We'll get no, to we them last weekend. We'll get, so we'll to, get it. to those tomorrow. And we got to start looking at our picks for the playoffs. That's right. Right around the corner. And, of course, we'll tell you all about the UC Bearcats and their big win, despite what Reed Mouse has to say, coming up later tonight over the Texas. And the preview Longhorns. of the Muskies, Muskies you versus got. the Huskies. We're to raise the banner. We went undefeated against the national champions last year. Horns down. Horns down is right. It's exactly right. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll look forward to seeing you. Good Lord willing, mañana. Have a good day.